What does a metal fabricator do? How can they help a small business or a manufacturing company? And what should we look for when we select one and engage with one? Today on Small Business Talks. We've all heard of metal fabricators and, you know, but what do they really offer small business and manufacturers? What benefits do they offer to my business and why should I consider, you know, in, in engaging with one? And what should I know about metal fabricators to choose one? To help us better understand these questions, we have John Nelson from ESCP in Davenport, Iowa. John, it's great to have you on the podcast today. So my first question is, is what do metal fabricators do? Well, thank you, Neil. I appreciate being on. Um, custom metal fabricator is a person who takes metal or steel, carbon steel, and shears it, saws it, cuts it in some form or fashion with a laser um, or, or whatever manner they do it in, and then to make a developed blank. And with that blank, then you would form whatever, you know, with the proper engineering and knowing what we're making, we can use break dies or press dies and make a, a part, you know, whatever part, however a person designs a part, we can make it. We already uh, um, have the equipment in-house. Generally, we have most of the equipment. And I think that was gonna be my next question was gonna say, you know, why, why would, a, would, a, would a business or a manufacturer contract, contact you uh, especially if the manufacturer, if they already have, you know, some equipment, is there, is there a benefit to, you know, contracting out parts of things or, 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 or we have a new product, what, you know, what can you do to offer to help them? It's the same for an OEM as it is for a mom and pop shop. You know, we already have gone through the expense of purchasing the equipment that's needed you know, to do to custom metal fabricate, you know, whether it be a shear or a saw, um, a, a laser, turret press um, to punch holes with, brake presses to, to bend with, um, deep uh, dies or presses uh, just to form metal with and, to, as, and as far as to go to deep draw the metal. Um, and then we have, uh, you know, weld lines, so that's expensive endeavor to, to you know, get into that business as well as the metal fabrication. And we also have a medium-sized machine shop to do machining. So if, if you need um, parts um, intricately machined or just holes drilled and tapped, we can do that as well. So John, I'm, I'm, I'm a company or I'm a small manufacturer and I've never contracted with a, with a, with a, with a metal fabrication company. What should I be asking? What should I be looking for, you know, in choosing a metal fabricator? Well, that's a great question. You know, let's just say that you're a, uh, you're an OEM like, GMTC at the military, people who make military vehicles, construction vehicles, um, agricultural vehicles. Um, you know, that's basically, that's metal fabrication. Uh, lots of times they, they want to assemble it. So they outsource the parts to a guy like me who has the equipment that's needed to laser cut, 
bend, form, drill, paint, ship, and deliver, you know, um, components to their assembly line. So, you know, instead of having to have all those different businesses for all those different parts that they need to have made to assemble their vehicle, they outsource to companies like me, maybe. I wouldn't do all the work. It would be spread out amongst, you know, several custom metal fabricators. And if you're, a, you know, and say if you're a smaller business, it's the same thing. You know, if you need, if you're selling something or you want something made, fabricated out of metal, you need to have somebody, you need to go to someone who uh, has a, a shop to do that. And the best thing, you know, is to look online and, and you know, and, and look at the reviews and then um, call the people and talk to them on the telephone. You could call them, but company like ours will always um, be happy to give out references if they need them. One of the things I, I know that I noticed on your website, and I'm thinking, I'm wondering if it's something people should look for is your ISO certification. And maybe you could say what, what that actually means when people see that, what does that mean about, a, about an organization like yours when you're ISO certified? So our ISO certification 9001-2015 is current, I believe until 2025. Um, but, it's a standard of quality. So we can't do business with some companies, you know, like, like Caterpillar or um, uh, other Ford, um, Honda, a lot of companies, we can't do that. We can't even do work for them unless we're audited and we either have an ISO certificate or we, we work to that standard. But we, with having that certificate, they already know that we're audited twice a year and um, we hold a, um, our quality system to that standard, as well as our on-time delivery. All, all of that's rated, measured, and reported. So if I'm a, a small business or a manufacturer and I'm, I'm looking for a company, an ISO certification is something I should be, it, it kind of tells me that you have a standardization of quality and that you've met you know, met things rather than just saying we're quality. It's kind of a standard that shows that you meet a certain level of quality, correct? See, yeah. See, a lot of people don't know me. They don't know us. They don't know the standard that we work to. So in a new customer, um, if you can prove to them that you're ISO certified 9001-2015, then that proves that you, you have been audited by a registrar, in this case, Perry Johnson, they come in and do a two-day audit and make certain that your, you know, your procedures are up to that standard. So the good thing about it is, is that if we don't know each other and you didn't have it, you know, we didn't grow up together, you know, I'm a man of my word. When you see my ISO certification, it's like saying, these are good guys, use them. Excellent. So from the aspect of I'm a new I'm a new company I've never approached uh, a metal fabricator or I've never looked to outsource some of my work to somebody. Um, what are things that I should be prepared to talk about? What are things that I should ask when I when I when I contact or how should I prepare to get in touch with with a company like ESCP? Well, you know, there's <clears throat> quite a spectrum here. I mean, we make parts that go on cars trucks, tanks, and then we also make the, well, we have two core competence here, competencies here at ESCP. One is to make reusable shipping racks, containers, 
carts, baskets, tables, things for material handling. And then the other one is to make component parts for our OEM customers. So it would matter who you are, like lot, lots of times in the, um, but it would just matter from which industry you're from. And are there things, expectations that people should know about? Like, uh, should they be you know, discussing things like what, what the turnaround time is? Uh, what is the process? You know, I guess what I should probably ask first is, you know, do you, you, you know, when you meet with them, are you just expecting this to print or do you talk to them, understand their situation, kind of help them out with those kind of things? So let's say you looked at my website and you call me and you want, and you want to talk about a project. You know, of course you want to know the price of the object. And we're selling steel here, you know, that's metal fabrication. So it would depend upon how, how we can buy it. Are we going to buy a truckload or are we going to buy one sheet? So the lower volume parts will, will always cost, have a higher per piece cost than the, than the higher volume parts will. Um, it's, it's all based off the price of steel. And then, of course, you know, we have our, our costs, lights, gas, labor, um, salaries, insurance, all that kind of stuff. So you know we're we're in the we're a medium-sized custom metal fabricator, and we do um, a fair amount of work for large OEMs. So we're not the cheapest in town, but our work is guaranteed. That's that's a good thing to hear on something like that. You know, one thing that I that I saw on the website was that you do uh, metal stamping, and I know we've had a discussion about that. That you do um, you specialize like in deep draw and the ability to hand transfer that is a very good question you know depending uh, if you're going to have something formed like the hood of the truck cab or the fenders or you know something metal that's going to be formed um, you need to do it in a press with a die so the geometry first has to be approved and handed over to us and we would have to send it to a tool and die maker to quote a die you know using that geometry to make certain that we can make a part with um, a good part with repeatability so you know there would also be not I mean if if you need be and most people do if you're going to do large runs because you would not only buy the die you would also get a check fixture to make certain the part that comes out of the die is correct so that's in, a, that's in a stamping press. A break press is a little different. I can make one bend, you know, if I just have to put a, a radius in something or put two bends in something, then I can run it across, you know, hand um, with, by hand, we can run it across the break press. And going back to the stamping press, when you call, when you call our equipment hand transfer, that means that we don't have a robot that picks up a, a blank out of a magazine and puts nests it into a press and the feelers on the on the press say it's in the right location and then it just goes down the line they suction cups pick it up and they just keep going ours is all done by hand transfer we pick up the the, the, the developed blank put it nested into the die pull our hands out put them on two buttons and um the press cycles up and down. So the difference in there is that hand transfer is a slower cycle time, but it's for lower volume parts. And that's what we are. We're, we're a low volume 
service part provider to all these people that we deal with in the, the OEMs that I mentioned earlier. I noticed you offer a, a precision laser cutting. We have a. This seems to be a big word on in in the industry right now, and it seems like there's there's a lot of things. If you could maybe just kind of describe what what laser cutting, why it's used, or or you know what the advantages are, and and what what do you, how do you handle laser cutting? Well, we have one laser right now. It's a Cincinnati, and it will cut up to, you know, half an inch. So. Anything from a half an inch down, we can laser cut on that. The advantage of laser cutting is, is that you put, you, you nest a sheet of steel with the parts on it. And then when you run across a laser and it, it cuts out the parts that you want cut out and utilizing um, the, getting the best yield of the uh, sheet of steel and then that part would go into a brake press or a stamping press and be formed. But the old way to do it is to shear it or blanket. And there's a lot more scrap involved in doing that. This way we, we get the best yield and utilize the, the material in the best way is if you laser cut it because you can CNC program it to nest it perfectly. And you just, you, you fit each part in there and you use as much of the sheet steel as you can. So you're you're actually not having to use as much material, and you're actually reducing cost because you're not you're not throwing as much scrap out. Yeah, we're we're using the same size sheet, getting a lot more parts out of it. Right, that's exactly right. Makes sense. One of the other things, uh, and I think we also talked about this, was about uh, you about you have kind of an interesting production welding situation, um, and maybe you could talk about that about how you can expand the the uh, the, the size of your welding department. And I, I want to, this is kind of a two-part question. One is talking about production welding and how, how you handle that with the way you have your, your welding department structured. And the last part would be uh, something interesting we talked about uh, the last time was about the, um, all the different types of welding where you weld to spec or weld to print and a lot of other companies to reduce costs will just do a, um, I believe it's called stitch weld. I think you said they do like a stitch weld or something like that. Well, I don't want to sound like I'm talking bad about anybody, but some people, when times get tough, people try to find a way to cut corners. And lots of times um, they'll shorten the length of their welds. Whereas ESCP, um, we take pride in the fact that we, we weld to print. If the print says they want a complete weld, then we complete weld it. We don't make one inch stitch welds in, in, the, in the same six inch, if it's a six inch piece and we welded all six inches, somebody who's stitch welding will put three one inch welds in there and save three inches of weld. That, would, know, affect, that would affect the integrity of the, of the weld, I would think, wouldn't it? It certainly, it certainly could. So that's something, again, if, you're, if this is something that's important to your business or you're gonna be lifting something heavy, I know like, like you make glass uh, racks and things like that. And, that's that's heavy duty stuff. So that would I think would be important that when you contact a a, a metal you know metal fabrication company like ESCP that they would want to know something like that and know that they're going to get you know the really the, the the not just the quality but the integrity that what they're building is actually going to be you know of value. I I know exactly what you're saying and and you know I, once again I don't want to call anybody out there um, saying that they're doing anything illegal but 
but you know we if, if the print says you know they want a complete weld or the you know a half inch fillet or you know per the instruction um <clears throat> then we're gonna that's what we're gonna do we're gonna follow the print and back to the original part of the question of the the way the production is set up that was one thing I was I was I was noticing is that you kind of have your, your welding set up so that you can actually have it in different ships or in different areas so that if people come in with a big order, you can expand or contract the, the way you the way you do welding. Yes, we have 34 weld stations, 34 weld stations on four different weld lines. So I have the capability to move those around, or we do. And um, you know, if a job like like Somebody ordered 4,000 baskets from, no, 6,000 baskets from us, tubs, steel tubs, <clears throat> steel sided, 48 by 48, you know, 30 inches tall. And so, you know, with that, we just constantly keep that going. We can dedicate a line to that. And then another customer had a large rack order um, and we dedicated a line to that. But that still leaves two lines for us to weld, two, two lines for production welding and three or four other stations for other types of welding. You know, maybe maybe lower volume or <clears throat> or um, maybe high volume, but only one only only takes one person to make one piece, so you can do it at you know at, at a station. So <clears throat> uh, you know we have the ability to basically customize our weld shop to the to the workload. If that makes that sense. And that would be important because if I'm a manufacturer or a small business, is one of the concerns that people come to you with is, you know, do you have the time to do this? Do you have the capacity? Do you have the people to do something like this? Well, that is always a challenge is to get, you know, good people. We have two shifts here. Um, five days a week, we work an eight hour shift and four days a week. At second shift, we work uh, Monday through Thursday, 10 hour shift. You know, so that's the that's the machine shop, the paint department, the weld department, the stamping department, and uh, or the custom metal fabrication department, which is shears, saws, lasers, presses, all you know, all that stuff. Let's say we're making uh, a large order for somebody, and we have the people, and someone else comes in, and we can open up another station to do their work. Then that's what we'll do. Makes sense. Let's talk about, I think one of the things I'd like to bring out is also, let's focus on ESCP now, because in, in researching this and getting ready for the podcast, as I go out and look at, you know, well, what are companies, there, there's a big range. There, there's, you know, metal fab can fall into a guy doing welding out of his garage to, uh, to, to a large company to be able to do things like that. And I would probably say, what would you say, and ESCP has been around for a while, and you've got a good clientele base, what would you say the secret to your success has been? Or why, why do people keep coming back to you? What would you say the one thing that makes you kind of stand out from other companies? Well, quality and on-time delivery. You know, we have really good people and we treat our customers, you know, very well. So we have customer service reps that we assign to different customers. Um, we have a, a quoting department or a sales department who brings in RFQs, requests for quotes. We get them quoted by one or you know one or more estimator, 
um, then we get that approved through the uh, approval committee and you know, making sure that we're charging the right price and we've included everything. And then it gets signed off on and the salesman gives the quote to the customer. And if they um, have questions, they'll call us or if they're satisfied with our quote, they'll send us a purchase order. You know, and, and in that quote, by, let me say this, in that quote, there'll be a, a lead time. So if we're looking at the material that we have to buy, what the grade is, what's the availability and, you know, how much we can get. And so a lot of it has to do with the availability of material. And then, of course, we have our workload. So, you know, whichever area it has to go through, they all have, you know, their one, two, three or four week lead time or more. Um, I mean, we've gotten... A, here, I, I hate to say this on the podcast, but the truth is, is that we have sometimes been so busy in, in the time that I've been here that our lead time has been out to 16 weeks. And I think that's important for, for people to understand is, is what it actually takes, you know, not to scare off anyone, but realistically understand that, you know, one of the things you need to look at is the turnaround time. You know, I, I have an idea or I have a project and, you know, what, what's a reasonable turnaround time on something like that. And I think the other the other portion of it is is just you know what are like, like you mentioned things about like what type of steel the print all the specs. From what I'm hearing from the conversation, you're very thorough. You're you, you've got a plan, and it's it's that's something I would think that'd be important to a company is that you you kind of have your you know, you you have the process down because because of your experience, you know what it's going to take to be able to do these things. That's that's exactly right, and and you know it's. Uh, it's my job as a salesperson, sales manager, when I'm talking to a customer is to ask the questions I need to ask to ascertain what it is I got to do so that I can get it quoted properly. And when I report back to the customer, I want to give them as much accurate information as I can because they're going to plan off that, you know, and just like, you know, you're only as good as your word. So you want to make certain that what you tell the customer, you know, is right. And, you know, and if it changes, you got to tell them right away. And then, you know, that's what we try to do. We try to, you know, because things things change all the time. I mean, yeah. sometimes you can't get a driver to drive a truck to get, you know, to get a load of steel. Like like I, what I said earlier is, is that we have to buy the material and there's a lead time for that. They might have to roll it at the mill. And then you have to get a driver and a truck underneath the load to get it to your place. And then, you know, lately it's been very hard to get a driver and a trucking firm to pick stuff up. In a, timely, in a timely manner. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring that up was in this, as we, as we have people talking about this and saying, you know, what, what can I do with a metal fabricator? What can, what can they do for my business is understanding all these different elements so that they're, they're getting a little bit more knowledge of understanding, you know, what to expect, how do they, how do they interact with, 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 a, with a metal fabrication company and what should they look for so that they don't go into it and, and, and have certain ideas and they have more of an understanding of this is what to look for. I mean, I think we've already, I think you've already hit some of the things is like, you know, number one is ISO certification shows that you don't know who I am. And it's kind of a, a standardized, you know, inspection or in a standard that you've met to be able to do that. And then the whole idea of, you know, putting the planning and having the estimators kind of lets you put your entire production process so that it matches with what they're looking for. But if a company is looking for things, they you know looking for like you know consistent production, or they they want to look for what should I be looking for in a company? These are definitely some of the traits that that you know that I think they should be looking for. 
Well, you know, if you're look, if someone is looking for a custom metal fabricator, you know, let's say that you you re you realize that you need some reusable stacking racks or shelves or uh, you know some um, load tables to you know to to for whatever reason you know and uh, you've never made had them made before you know it's good to know who you're dealing with so you know uh, looking for someone who's ISO certified is important you know and, and or maybe you maybe your dad is you know maybe you know something really you know somebody who's um, um, in that business and you know that that would, that would really help because if they can't do it, they can tell you who could. And that's the way that I am. If I if somebody approaches me and and I can't do what they want, I I tell them where to go. I recommend, you know, I know people that in the industry that do other things because we work together all the time. So, you know, I don't, you know, I like to, you know, do my friends favors just like they do me favors. I get I get recommended a lot by, you know, my vendors and other people, and I do the same thing for them. That's good to know. And I think that's important for companies because if they come in with something that maybe it's not exactly, you know, the area that you work within that you can, you know, make those kind of recommendations and you're really looking out for the customer. And that I think that's important for people to realize that, that, you know, that's something to look for in a company is that, you know, you, you understand the project, you get to really, you ask all the questions up front so that you're getting them exactly what they want. And there's no surprises, I think is what, is what it comes out to. I know this might sound a little cheeky, but my customers over the last 16 years, 17 years here have become my friends. I mean, we're friends. Did you know what I mean? So, who, so uh, you know, they help, I help them, you know, support their families and they help me support mine. And it's, you know, it's a matter of trust. So any last uh, parting things on this? Um, anything I'm, I'm looking down through things. Um, so you, I'm, I'm looking at your capabilities. I'm on your website right now and I'm looking at, uh, you do the, the contract manufacturing. So you you actually run production for some parts for some companies. Yes, we do. We do. And you do the precision laser cutting. You do the welding. You do metal stamping. Uh, CNC machining. I know we, we talked briefly on that. So you also have the ability to do machining on, on parts and components. That's right. That is correct. What is flow drill and flow tap? Flowdrill and Flowtap is a system designed by a company called Flowdrill, which instead of drilling a hole in a part, okay, let's just say that you have a bracket that you're putting together and you're going to screw a mirror to it. Right. Okay. Like for a car. So that's the rear view mirror or the, you know, on the side of the truck. So, so on the bracket itself, instead of drilling a hole and putting a nut and a bolt in it, we, have a ceramic bush that, that we get going real fast and it makes a real hot bush and then the point drills through and makes a hole and then we come back in with the tap and now the if you if if you keep going with that video there you'll see that you make the weld nut part of the tube so the the um, instance of failure has been reduced to almost zero. Oh, wow. Okay. Because if you, if you make that, just drill a hole with a CNC and put a nut and a bolt in there for the mirror, that nut could come off or that bolt could break, it could work loose. But if you heat up that metal, push it all the way through, and then come back with a tap and tap that bush that you've 
that you know half inch bush that you've left through there and, and um, uh, put a thread in it, you can drill that, you know, drill your mirror or screw your mirror right straight to the, to the structural tube. Very cool. I hope I explained that right. But, I, think, I, I think you did. But there's a, there's a, in our, on our website, there's a great explanation of, of flow drill. And then the last thing I saw, I just want to touch base. We, we kind of touched base on it earlier was, uh, and that's the other thing I'm noticing is that you can really take this from beginning all the way to end. I mean, you can actually fabricate, you can belt, you can uh, stamp, uh, bend, you can machine, and you can even finish the part afterwards. You can even- uh, Cradle to uh, grave. We go right, right from A to Z. So we, it comes in the door in a cheese steel and, and it leaves in a package all ready to go. And I'm looking here and I'm seeing uh, 850 foot conveyor line uh, and- That's a powder coat paint line, that's right. Okay, okay. That conveyor is 850 feet long. That gets it through a two station pre-wash. It gets it through the, it goes through a, a drying phase and then goes into to the, um, the um, paint booth, six foot by 12 foot. Yeah, six foot by 12 foot by 12 foot, I think it is. Or, or the other way around. Anyway, um, once it goes through there, it gets painted, then it takes a right turn, goes in, it takes it to the oven, takes another right turn, goes down 50 feet, makes a turn at the end, comes back 50 feet. So it's in there, you know, um, for 100 feet at 410 degrees, and it bakes on whatever we put on there. And that seems to be the choice now of, especially for a lot of uh, metal fabrication, is powder coating versus just, you know, the old fashioned paint. Yes, powder coating is, is, you have to take a knife to scrape, you know, to, you really have to, to hit it hard. And then it just, you know, gouges into it. It's, it's part of the steel. It's not like it won't, I mean, if you don't pre-treat the, the material properly, you know, it'll, it'll peel right off just like wet paint. But, you know, if you treat it, if you do the proper pre-treat and you paint it and bake it on right, it's not, it's not coming off. You can bake it into walls and, so that's why you have the, 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 the cleaning first and the stations. It's, it's set up that it's, it's designed right, to, right. Get prepared, to get the surface prepared to take the, 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 the powder coating that's on. Exactly. You have to treat the surface of the material first. That's right. Excellent. Excellent. So if somebody were to say, okay, I have an idea or I have a project or I'm a manufacturer, um, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? www.escp.net. And if you'd like to call me, you can call or you can call 1-800-397-9105 and just ask for John Nelson. Okay. Well, John, thank you very much. This has been an exceptionally good uh, uh, podcast and very enlightening as to what metal fabricators do for people. <laughs> I hope I hope it was. If anybody has any questions, have them call me. This is uh, there's a lot of information to put out in a short amount of time, but I, I hope I did uh, justice. Well, I, I think I think we definitely covered a lot of areas, and I think it'll be very helpful to people that, that are kind of going down this avenue and say, you know, what, how do I go about this, and what can we do? So I think I think it was overall a very good, uh, very good podcast. You know, along those lines, I would like to say, if you're out there and you're looking for a custom metal fabricator, if you call me and tell me what you're looking for, if I can't do it, I'll tell you where to go. I, I know people in the industry all over the country. 
that's a nice offer because I think that's what I think that to me says a lot because when a company says if we can't do it, we just kind of we just hang up the phone type thing. And that says a lot about your integrity and you as a business that, hey, if we can't do it, we can recommend somebody that would be able to do it. I think that's that's a great point to add on there. Thank you. Okay, so thanks, John. You have a good afternoon. Good afternoon.